Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Ohio is in the middle of the biggest public corruption scandal in state history. It involves a web of dark money, an Ohio-based Fortune 500 company, 4.5 million consumers, and some top politicos. The case has already taken some dramatic turns. Arrests, guilty pleas, FBI searches, executive firings, and the suicide of one defendant. And in this special episode of Ohio Politics Explained, we're going to walk through what it's like to wear a wire. Joining me is Tyler Furman, the whistleblower who went to the FBI with his concerns. Welcome to the show, Tyler. Thanks, Anna. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. So before I ask you all the questions about how you actually put on a wire, I think it's important to give our listeners a little context, just in case they haven't been following this as closely as we have. So the trial of former Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder and former Ohio Republican Party Chair Matt Borges centers around a law known as House Bill 6. It was passed in 2019 to bail out two nuclear power plants by tacking fees onto the utility bills of millions of Ohioans. The bill was going to raise more than a billion dollars for a company named First Energy over seven years. And federal prosecutors allege that Larry Householder and a group of co-conspirators took $61 million in a bribe in exchange for passing that legislation. Where Tyler factors into all of this is the summer of 2019. That's after the bill became law, but when a group was working to put it on the ballot. So Ohio law says that you can take a law that's been passed through referendum, where voters get to decide whether they want to keep it. And you were working with a group trying to repeal House Bill 6, and an old friend of yours, Matt Borges, reached out. So let's start there. Did he call you, text you? How did he first connect with you about House Bill 6? Yeah, I actually, I talked to Matt about on the repeal campaign before I took it. He was not just a close friend of mine, but was a mentor. And I I knew that he was going to be on the opposite side of being offered. And I didn't want to damage either our professional or our personal relationship. So then you get together with Matt at some point. Uh, he invites you to talk about the repeal or how do you end up at that graders where you now took that infamous photo of you with the chocolate milkshake? Matt asked me to to meet him for coffee, and we met. And when we got together, he literally proceeded to tell me that if I would provide him with inside information about the number of signatures being collected, the locations of people collecting the signatures, and other information, that he would make it worth my while. He asked how much I had left to pay off on my car. He asked about uh, child support arrears that he knew that I owed from a period of unemployment that I had experienced. He knew personal details about my financial and professional situation and said, we can take care of all of those things. I just need you to provide me with inside information about what's going on. And that didn't sit right with me. I immediately felt very, very violated. This was somebody I trusted, looked up to, had built a good relationship with, and he was asking me to do something that I immediately knew was wrong. So I left that meeting and I called one of my best friends who I trust immensely. I've known him since I was about nine or 10 years old. And his recommendation was to reach out to law enforcement. And that is what I did. So you called the FBI. Is that weird? Do you just like, how do you, did you like Google the number? How did you find it? Uh, So I was actually provided with the number for the special agent in charge, Agent Wetzel, uh, by my friend. 
who I'm not sure how he had obtained it. But yeah, it was a little bit bizarre. I, I called this phone number, uh, had no idea who was on the other end, and just gave sort of a high-level overview of the conversation I had just had. And Agent Wetzel responded with, can you meet me tomorrow? And I said yes. And, you know, I kind of expected, you know, maybe I'm going to go to a building that's unmarked, or maybe I'm going to meet him in some clandestine location, something like that. It'll probably be, you know, a really tough-looking guy in a dark suit and sunglasses, <laughs> you know, all of the things that you sort of assume, you know, it was like warm outside. He was dressed appropriately for the weather and was this very kind, friendly individual. It was not intimidating, but it still, it was not what I expected at all. The, the entire experience from that perspective was, was honestly very bizarre. So then he asks you if you can record some conversations between you and Matt Borges. Did he ask you that initially or like, how does that work? I responded to Matt after our conversation and let him know that my integrity was not for sale and that he would not, I wouldn't be the person that he had invested time and energy into mentoring if I took him up on that offer. And he responded with, don't ever tell anyone about this conversation. And so when I met with Special Agent Wetzel, the request was made at the end of the meeting. They said, if you are willing we can't force you. We're not going to pressure you to. But if you're willing, we would like for you to reapproach him about this conversation and and record your interaction with him. And it, honestly, I, I said yes. I was willing to do it because I knew that what was taking place was just so patently wrong. And I got into politics, got into the line of work to try and make a difference and try to always do the right thing. And just walking away from me was not an option. I, I couldn't have done that in good conscience, knowing that there was something like this going on behind the scenes. So is it like the Sopranos? Do they like strap a wire to your chest? Is it like a little pen in your pocket? Like wh where did it go? I just... That honestly was my first concern. I was like, <laughs> if I wear a wire for the FBI, they're going to have to like tape me up and do all this stuff. And you, know, everybody's seen the Sopranos where they're, you know, taking their dress shirt off. You know, there's tape and wires and all this stuff. And the guy comes and pats them down beforehand and they just hope that it's not seen. And I was like, I feel like wearing a wire with the technology that we have today is just really inconvenient. And it turned out that's not what it was at all. I had two devices at different points. Um, one was a key fob. It looked like oh. the key fob that I would have for my car. And the instruction was to set my keys on the table when I sat down at the meeting. And for the folks who were in the courtroom and saw the the closed-circuit television recordings, you can see the keys on the table. And in other instances, I had a ball cap. So I, I'm bald, and I regularly, especially with Sunny out, I wear a ball cap. I wore an Under Armour, a dark blue Under Armour ball cap most days. And one day, the FBI had a dark blue Under Armour ball cap for me, and there was a device hidden sort of underneath the bill in the in the lining of the hat. Oh, my God. So, so it was never, I felt very safe. It, I was never put in a position where, you know, oh, like they're going to notice a wire or they're going to pat me down for some reason and, and feel it. You're not like were, leaning forward, like with a flower boutonniere being like, can you talk into the flower, please? No, thank goodness. Uh, it was it was difficult enough composure and and focus on just the conversation taking place that would have made it exponentially more difficult. I did want to ask about that because, like, you know, every time I think about it, I think I would be such an awkward 
cat. Like, I, I would be so terrible at looking chill while wearing a wire. Like, did they give you any kind of training or how do you like mentally prep yourself to... You know, they were encouraging, certainly, and just said, you know, try to do your best just to listen and let him talk and lead the conversation and ask him what he wants from you. I'll be really honest, it was probably the most difficult thing I've ever done because it's it's not just awkward, but it's terrifying in a lot of ways, especially with some of the conversation that had taken place. I felt like I was being strong armed or threatened by what was being offered. And I also felt like I had a lot to lose saying to someone that expects blind loyalty, as is so often the case in politics, you know, I thought if I if I hadn't done it, if I didn't agree to it, what would happen to my career? And there was the personal relationship with Borges. It has to be just like personally difficult because this was a person that you cared for and respected. Exactly. Yeah. And so all of those factors really did, it made it hard. And so, you know, my focus in those moments was just to let him lead the conversation, to to really just kind of keep keep things in perspective, to breathe deep and try my best to kind of ignore the adrenaline rush that comes with that type of anxiety. It was they were jarring experiences. Yeah, I would I would think like I said, I, there's I, I just feel like I'd be so blatantly uh, awkwardly obvious, but maybe not. Maybe I maybe it's like, you know, as weird as it sounds like when you have a zit and you think everybody notices, but like people don't notice nearly as much as you, you think they do. But so you wear this wire a couple of times and you get the the information that ultimately ends up leading to the arrest of Matt Borges. Did you have any like contact with him or I guess what was your reaction when he's arrested and the documents start coming out and it starts becoming obvious that someone has recorded Matt Borges and I'm sure he pretty quickly knew who it was. So the last time Matt and I had any direct interaction was October 22nd of 2019 um, at the federal courthouse in Columbus. There was a hearing related to the ballot initiative and we we acknowledged each other there. We spoke on the phone that morning or the night before. But after that, we have had absolutely zero contact. I have been the topic of a lot of the things that he has said in news interviews and, and other places, as well as on his personal website. He released unredacted, confidential, private information about me, copies of my social security card and old employment records and things like that. But we've not had any direct interaction. But because of the fact that in 2018, I worked for both Matt Borges and Larry Householder and was the only person from that crew that went on to help with the referendum campaign for House Bill 6, it was very evident to a lot of folks very quickly who quote unquote, CHS one, my the, the government's designation for me, who that was. And so as soon as the arrests took place, I, I was at the dentist actually that morning and my phone started blowing up. People started calling and emailing and texting to see if I was all right to ask me questions. And, you know, it was it was uh, it was overwhelming. And at one point, actually, I did want to circle back. I believe Borges made some sort of off color joke about blowing up your house. Is that is that right? I'll be honest, Anna, I don't think it was a joke at all. I didn't mm -hmm. take it that way when he said it. Um, we were toward the end of one of our meetings and and he said, and I'll I'll edit this for the sake of the listeners, he said, if you're if you're messing with us, we'll blow up your house. That was a moment that just sort of a cold chill ran through me. I will never forget it because, you know, we were at that point, we were past 
joking around. You know, in politics, there's a lot of dark humor, and yeah. I understand that. But we were past that point. He had consistently been asking me, are you recording this for the dispatch? Or if I get a phone call from Randy Ludlow or is, you know, if you're like recording this and you're going to hand it off to Laura Bischoff or someone else, he was very threatening in that way and kept going back to it and then followed it with seriously, though, if you're messing with us, we'll blow up your house. And I took that extremely seriously. The FBI did as well. I'll never forget the debrief after that meeting. They they asked me, are you all right? And I was I was rattled. And and they said, we take those things seriously, as should you. And that, that really it changed the way things felt even more. It made it made a hard situation even worse. And, you know, so now you've testified uh, in the federal trial. The case is currently in the hands of the jury as we're recording this. Uh, it could be potentially decided by the time we finish recording this. We don't really know. You can never really predict what a jury will do or how long they'll take. Right. But you've kind of, you know, you've come full circle on this. Uh, how do you feel about it now, looking back? Honestly, I'm really glad to be done with my portion of it. Um, I'm also, truthfully... I'm really relieved to be able to tell my story. I, I've spent several years now having to remain quiet because of my role. And while while Matt Borges and others went on public media campaigns to try and besmirch my name and demean my character, I had to stay quiet. And I've I've come up in an industry where when someone makes claims about you, you have the ability to defend yourself. And I've not had that. So I'm glad to be able to tell my story. Um, looking back, though, a few people have asked, you know, how do you feel after everything? And would you do it again? It was one of the scariest points of my life. But on this end, truly knowing and believing that I, I did the right thing when I had the opportunity, I would do it again. I would do it again if I was placed in that situation. And I hope that I never am again. But with the way things are in the world, especially in the political realm, we need people that what I did should not be special. It should be the norm. People should be willing to step up, do the right thing, not just be blindly loyal to any person or group or party and stand up for for principles instead of just blindly following. So I'm relieved it's over. I'm relieved I can tell my side of the story. And at the end of the day, I just hope that justice is served and that that Larry and Matt have to have to answer for their actions. Well, thank you so much for taking this time, Tyler. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at beaconjournal.com.